Welcome to In Conversation, a production of the Dorothy F. Schmidt College of Arts and Letters at Florida Atlantic University. My name is Barkley Barrios, and I'm an associate dean with the college standing in for Dean Horswell. And I'm absolutely delighted to have with me today Dr. Mark Decker, Associate Professor and Associate Director of Bands. Dr. Decker, welcome to In Conversation. Well, thank you. Thank you for the nice introduction. Absolutely. I will start with the question Dean Horswell loves to ask, which is essentially, how did you get here? So not only how did you develop an interest in music and directing bands, but what drove you to do that in an academic sense? Tell us the story of how you ended up being associate director of bands. Yeah, um, I'm happy to share. When I was younger, the class that I felt the most comfortable in, the class that I loved being in every day, I felt safe. I felt like that's where my friends are was, was music class. Uh, so I was always I was always in love with band, always in love with music, and that led me to pursue a music education degree as an undergrad. Uh, I taught a high school band for four years, and then uh, I loved it. I had a great experience, um, but I knew I wanted to do higher education because I saw that as an undergrad. I really liked the environment, uh, so I went and did a master's degree and a doctorate in conducting. So those are my uh, my degrees. And then uh, I've taught in a few different places, but um, for a small stint on the East Coast, I was an adjunct uh, at American University and at Gettysburg College for a semester. Uh, I've taught in the Midwest as a director of instrumental music at Northwestern Oklahoma State. Uh, but my family is all in Florida right now. My parents are here. Uh, my siblings are here with all their kids. So Florida has been my home for quite some time. This is where I go to, for the holidays. Um, and I knew this is where I wanted to be. So when a position to open up here at FAU about five years ago now, it's been, it's been five years already, um, I had to apply. So I applied for it. Uh, and the position is to primarily direct the marching band and the pep band. Um, and then there's also a symphony band that I get to work with, and they're a true pleasure. And then I've taught classes in music education and conducting. That's a fascinating story. You know, you'd be surprised how many faculty we lure here because they have family here. So that's a great selling point. <laughs> I, I was wondering if you could tell me what, how marching band, for example, functions as an academic discipline. Like in my head, it's, okay, guys, we're going to do a song by Lady Gaga. Here's the sheet music. You go practice. I want you to form squares on the field and we're done. Help me understand the intellectual labor, the creative and research aspects of the work you do. Well, I'm happy to. As far as why it's curricular, I would start by saying that uh, most middle schools, high schools, elementary, music is a curricular element, at least to some extent, in Florida and throughout the nation. So it is entwined with curriculum uh, nationally. Um, as far as, you know, how is it a creative activity, that, that's a big one. So when, when we look at like a marching band performance on a field, um, it takes about nine months to go from the early stages of planning through the arranging of the music, the design of the formations, and then teaching it to the students, and then adding more visuals on top of that. Um, it is a lengthy process, and it, it starts uh, in the concept phase where we're looking at just practically what do we want to play? What's the music going to be? Can I get copyright permissions for this music to arrange it? Um, and then after, and, and well, let me finish with that. For, then we uh, talk with the students to um, see what their interests are. And we refine to 
see what our shows are going to be for the season. So we'll have about three shows that we do this year, and that's our normal. And then uh, after we pick the shows, um, there's usually arrangers. Either I'll arrange the music, or there'll be a staff member that does. Sometimes it's a student that arranges the music. Um, and when that and that usually is going to be around early summer when that takes place. Our current show that we're doing was arranged by one of the staff members at FAU, a faculty member actually, uh, Matthew Nichols, who is one of our percussion instructors. He's the percussion instructor. Um, but he arranged the show, um, and we just started learning it last week. It's our last show for the season, and it's, it's turned out to be really great. But that's the first level of creativity is just the arrangements themselves. After that, we're looking at um, the formations on the field, which either I'll do or a graduate student will do. And the formations on the field are a lot like a theatrical production where you're thinking about who's got the melody. Are they up front? Um, can you see them? Uh, can you hear them? You're thinking about how quickly people are moving from point A to point B. Is there a lot of energy in the sound right now? We want it to move fast. Is it a, a transition, a slower section of music? We're going to have smaller step size. And finally, are we creating real visual images on the field that are recognizable? Like, uh, are we going to form a star in the field because it's a patriotic show? Are we going to form a guitar because it's a rock and roll show? Um, so there's different levels to think about, but the drill formations are usually late summer and into... Um, uh, August, even September, we're still we're still working on those and getting ideas for the visuals. And then the final element happens during teaching, where um, the students are learning um, the music, they're learning the drill formations, and then we're adding on top of that more visual movements. So not just how you're getting from point A to point B, but how does it look? What are we doing? Um, uh, and we start adding what I call choreography, although all visuals are kind of choreography, but choreography, where are horns facing, are we doing a horn flash here? Uh, and that's student-driven um, almost entirely. I'll just tell them that something should be here. I might give them an idea. Uh, sometimes they kind of giggle at my idea because they could think of better ones. And then they'll, um, they'll come up with something that goes in that spot. So, yeah, right now we are in the uh, second week of our last show. Uh, we're going to perform it on Saturday. Uh, it is a Latin show, and again, it was arranged by our per percussion instructor. Um, it's it's going to be a, a lot of fun for the fans, but a tremendous amount of creativity by all of the staff in order to get that from the original concept, which was around March, to performing it right now. I'm going to go back a little bit to this question of arrangement, because I know nothing about music. Literally, what is arranging? Does that mean you take the sheet music and you figure out what the horns are going to play and what whoever's going to play is that is that arrangement what is that process like yeah arranging is definitely an art form um what you're taking is you're taking the original tune let's say it's a rock and roll chart you've got lead vocals you've got harmony to the vocals usually one maybe two people singing harmony uh, you've got the guitar part, the bass part, and drums. And if there's any other sound effect synthesizer or piano, that'll be in there as well. And then you're converting that to uh, a standard marching band instrumentation, which would be uh, flute, piccolo, clarinet, alto sax, tenor sax, trumpet, mellophone, uh, trombone, baritone, sousaphone. And then the drum part's not a drum set anymore. It's uh, snare drum, tenor drum, bass drum, cymbals. So you're expanding this out into a different instrumentation. And what it does when you move it over is it changes uh, the density of the chords, how things are doubled. So uh, it might just be maybe two notes before, some kind of an open chord. But now if you have all these people playing two notes, it's too much. You've got to sort of change the structure. 
it changes what we call the form of the music. Um, so if you think of like old 1960s, 70s, 80s music, I mean, I love that stuff. I grew up on it. Uh, it they end often with a fade out. Can't end a marching band with a fade out. Doesn't work out of field. So you've got to write a new ending for them. Introductions, you're often writing a new introduction for it. So brand new material. Um, you usually keep the chords similar, but sometimes you want to add some different chords for a little different flavor. And often you're adding counter melody. Counter melody is where you've got uh, a voice moving in a direction different than the melody. So it's not, it's not functioning as harmony, like a different note that's a third or a fifth above, but it's functioning differently to move in contrary motion to, uh, uh, well, just to highlight, I suppose, what's going on in the music and for the audience's enjoyment. So to write one arrangement is, is, a, is a tremendous amount of work, um, and it, to, to see it performed is always fun for the arranger. Well, as long as I have you here to educate me, can you tell me exactly what a conductor is doing? Because when I'm in an audience, it just looks like he's waving a stick. And so help me understand, particularly during the performance, the role of the conductor. I'm happy to, yeah. So for Marchie Band and, um, and Pep Band, my two primary ensembles, I, I actually don't conduct. I'm like a theater director. I'm in the back. I've, I've, I've staged everything. I've produced the show, but I've got students that are conducting, students that are leading. Um, so if you look for someone on the podium at a football game, it's going to be one of our students that are conducting, an undergraduate student. Um, some are music majors. Some are, are not. They're just passionate students that love what they do. Uh, for concert band, though, I do have a symphony band that I get to work with, and it's a, a real pleasure. And that group, uh, I do conduct. And conducting is a very interesting art form, and uh, it's very hard to describe how you combine movement and how that relates to the musician to how the sound should look or feel or sound. Um, it, it, it gen wow, it's really hard to explain. I'm trying to find the words for it. Generally, the, the, if you move quickly, right, um, well, that doesn't even work. <laughs> I actually, you know, you know uh, I, I, I'm not sure I can actually explain uh, in no, layman terms how, how conducting relates to uh, the actual sound. Like, if you conduct bigger, bigger is typically louder or a big moment, or smaller is typically smaller at a smaller mo moment. Uh, but generally, you're just creating gestures um, to incite the students to perform the music in a certain way. I love that it is ultimately an utterly ineffable art that escapes words. So I'm sure our audience will appreciate the, the sheer mystery you've shared with us. In addition to all the creative activity you do around marching band, pep band, you've actually published, uh, including stuff on recruitment, and I think some stuff on pedagogy. Can you talk a little bit about your research work as an academic and what you'd like to study or what you'd like to share or what you've learned from it? Yeah, I'm happy to. Uh, a lot of folks uh, see what I do is it's so visual in front of the marching band or, or the symphony band, or the pep band. They assume that all of my uh, research is in that area. And I think that's, that's a reasonable assumption because they see me in that capacity all the time. But um, uh, my degrees are in uh, music education and conducting, so most of the things that I do are music education related, most of the projects that I'm engaged in. Um, there's been a few things that I've done in the last uh, year that I'm really excited about. Um, if there was one project I'd share right now is one that I'm presenting in a week and a half at a conference in Maryland, and I'm, I'm really excited about that one. It's on diversity, equity, inclusion, and access in music teacher certification exams. So it's a, a big title. 
Um, but what, what basically we're looking at, and this is a colleague of mine that we've, I've partnered with to do this, and that colleague is Delane Chapman, who's FAU's uh, music education um, area uh, head. And uh, Delane and I uh, have noticed for years that a lot of students were uh, struggling to pass what we call the general knowledge portion of the teacher certification exam. So we put our heads together and we came up with a study um, to see if we could uh, help find solutions for that, to see what was going on, identify the problems, and then put forth recommendations for the field in order to uh, help our students uh, pass that exam, ideally on the first attempt. But uh, it's, it, we, we're going over the re final results today. Um, the study was completed about a month ago, and uh, we were at the point we're coming to conclusions about what uh, we recommend for the field. And um, the, the conclusions in the end of the study are, are fascinating because things like if students take this exam earlier in their college career, they do better. Um, so we need to encourage students to do better, offer financial assistance if possible so they can take it earlier. Um, there are uh, some data in the study that suggests that uh, it, students sometimes uh, choose not to study for the exam on their first attempt, thinking it might be easy. Uh, and that is not something they should think because it is a challenging exam. And so encouraging them to, again, meet with them, form uh, student groups they can study together. Uh, th there are a lot of ideas that we are having uh, looking at the data to encourage them to do better on the exam. So ultimately, the study, we were looking at diversity, equity, inclusion, and access as it relates to the uh, certification exams. And we found that all students struggled with certain aspects of the exam. And th they all had to retake the exam on average uh, at least once. So everyone is struggling. Um, we did find, though, that there's no different reasons why minority students are uh, struggling with the exam than, than uh, other students. So we feel that, oh gosh, it's hard. this is a hard one to talk about even, and I'm right in the middle of it. One of the things I find fascinating about your work is that because you come from this music education background, you have both aspects where you are a creative artist in your work with athletic bands or pep band but you're also a researcher doing work on pedagogy and on education. How do you balance those two in your life and career? You're asking me the hard ones today. And Isn't it hard? I'm just trying to make conversation, I swear. <laughs> well, there's no doubt that I spend the most amount of time on the average day doing either administrative, educational, or creative activities for the marching band. That, that dominates... Uh, most of what I do every day. Um, I try to actually actively try very hard to put time aside and say, I'm going to work on this research project, or I'm going to try to do a presentation at a conference or write this paper. Um, it, it, there is an active effort that I have to make, and I'm inevitably much more productive in the spring once most of the athletic band activities are either done or uh, we're in basketball pep band mode where I have a little bit more time than marching band. Because marching band is very time consuming. Uh, so it is a very hard balance to to achieve, for sure. I would also love to give you an opportunity to sort of toot the marching owl's horn. Can you tell us more about the marching band itself, how big it is, how many students, you know, anything that will really help us give a sense of how important it is to Florida Atlantic University? Sure. 
the Marching Owls are about a 120-member student group and academic class, as you said earlier. Uh, they will perform on the average year for about 15 uh, school events. The pep band is going to be about 40 students that will perform at about 35 school events per year. So between the two of them, uh, they're very active groups that are um, all over campus at pep rallies, sporting events, um, and uh, other community events as well. This year we're planning to go to the Boca uh, Holiday Parade. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun at the end of the season. So we do community events as well. Uh, the group, surprisingly, is, is not all music majors. A lot of people think it's, it's all music majors, but it's um, a good mix of every college you can think of. Engineering is actually one of the biggest majors for students that are in the band. Um, so those are some smart students that are uh, looking for an outlet, looking for some enjoyment. Um, and I know they find it there in the marching band. I think it's so important for all of us to have these joy-making activities where we're really able to express our passion. So I'm glad you're providing an extra outlet to our students to do that. I'm just curious, do the students buy their own uniforms? Do we buy that? What kind of, how much does that cost? Like how expensive of a venture is it for us to have this fantastic enterprise? Well, we're very fortunate. We're going to be getting new marching band uniforms uh, this next year. So they've been ordered uh, and they should come in. And uh, it's it's great because our old uniforms are ready to be retired. Uh, so the students are very excited for, for the new uniforms when they arrive. And we'll get to see them in August of 2023. Uh, for the students uh, in the stands, we wear uh, T-shirts and shorts because it's warm in Florida. So the students do buy their own T-shirts and shorts, but it's matching. It also has uh, marching owls on it. It has a logo on it. Um, so, you know, how much does it cost to be in the band? There's a little bit up front that the students have to pay, um, on top of it being an academic class, uh, but they do it because they enjoy it. Um, no one has to be in the marching band, which is one of the things I always say. They all, they're all there because they want to be. What a wonderful enterprise. If anyone listening would like to support the marching band, I'm sure they can speak with someone in the college about making appropriate donations. We really do love the way our donors support our students because our students are really what this is all about. Uh, do you do a lot of work with donors yourself or do you have experience in terms of generating funds to help support the bands? I'd be delighted to talk with a donor if there was anyone interested in helping to support these students. Um, my primary goal uh, is always with fundraising to try to eliminate student cost. If we can eliminate student cost, uh, that is, that's always the top priority for me. That's a really wonderful point. It's not always about these great scholarships that will pay for tuition. Students have a lot of costs when they're participating in these I mean, like you said, it's an academic course, but in some ways it's also on top of all the other work they have to do. So anything we can do to support them, I think would be fantastic. And I hope our listeners will consider reaching out to maybe think about what they can do for marching men. In the past, you've also published more widely, including some work. Uh, you did an interview with a composer and you presented a historical paper on some British composers, chamber music. Can you tell us a little bit about how wide ranging your research interests are? What things are you interested in studying? Well, my, my dissertation was on uh, this same British composer that I, wrote, I presented on uh, about a month ago now. And uh, I've been interested in his music for some time because it's music that I enjoy listening to, uh, music that I enjoy performing. And there was, hasn't been a lot of scholarly work on his uh, uh, 
uh, repertoire. So that, that's a composer that I've had a little bit of interest in for now uh, over 10 years. So I was very happy to present that paper um, uh, again at a conference about a month ago. Um, but I have a lot of different interests. I've done what I would call uh, conductor type interviews with um, uh, composers. And uh, the idea with that is that if I'm going to perform a work by a certain composer, it's nice to know how they uh, write what their thoughts on composition are, what their thoughts in the field are. Uh, uh, to understand them will help enliven the interpretation of the music. And so it's important as a conductor to, to be able to have access to interviews of uh, composers. So I've done a few of those, and they've been very rewarding projects to, to work with composers and to learn about them. My favorite type of scholarship when I get a chance to do it, and it's a, more of a creative activity than a scholarship, uh, is when... Uh, a group of band directors or a small committee of some group will vote to nominate me to conduct an honor band. That's my favorite thing in the world to do. Uh, I love working with um, students. I love it when they invite me out to, to work with them. And uh, those invites do come, and I'm, I'm always grateful when I receive them. Okay, well, you've just opened up a whole new box of questions. What is an honor band? Can you tell us more about that? <laughs> I'm happy to. Um, a lot of uh, honor bands are held throughout the state of Florida and throughout the country, and they function a lot of different ways, at least on how they get students that uh, are nominated for the ensembles. But often a group of band directors will uh, have the ability to nominate maybe two or four of their students, and they can audition and they can get into the honor band. And then the honor band exists for about three days, maybe two days. And during that time, those students all come together, often at a conference, um, and they invite a conductor to come out, and the conductor gets to work with those uh, overachieving, wonderful students, and they present one con a concert, and then at the end of the concert, the group never meets again. Wow, but what a beautiful recognition from your peers to be nominated for that. You've also done a lot of adjudicating at different band competitions. Can you tell us a little bit about the process of how you get selected to be a judge, and then what's involved in judging? Yeah, there's usually a committee as well or a small group of people that will uh, nominate judges. Um, sometimes it's a vetting process and you have to, and it's, it's pretty intense. Um, last weekend, I was actually up in Arkansas and I judged a marching band competition. It was at uh, Arkansas State in Jonesboro. Uh, and it was tremendous fun. Essentially what you do as a judge is um, you, you're on a panel. Usually there's five, six, or seven of you. And uh, the group will go on, in my case, on the field. Um, if it was a concert hall, they'd go on the concert hall stage. Uh, they perform their show, and then you're assigned to judge a specific aspect of the show. So in my case, I was judging the music. Um, so I was a music judge, and I listened to the group. Uh, I evaluate how uh, they play, the accuracy of the notes that they're playing, their articulations, their style, their dynamics. Every aspect of musicianship uh, you could think of is on the judging form. Uh, and then you rate them on a score after you hear them. Uh, and uh, there were about 21 bands, I believe, that performed on uh, last week's Saturday at this competition. Um, and it was, it was great to see all these uh, young high school students and, uh, performing. And it's wonderful to see how you're essentially bringing the FAU name to a national stage through your work within your field. That's always very impressive. You've also attended some conferences. What's, what is the sort of national organizations you belong to and how do they operate? There's, like in most fields, there's a lot of national organizations that uh, operate, and they all have their own uh, sort of niche market or niche market. Hopefully they edit the one that's the correct pronunciation there. 
So uh, the big one for conductors in the band world is the College Band Directors National Association. Uh, and there's just a whole bunch of smaller conferences that they host that are offshoots of that group. The Athletic Band Symposium is the one that I'm the most attached to and the one I've presented at a few times. Uh, that's where we talk about just marching bands and pep bands and um, uh, any research and scholarship in that area. Uh, that's, that is always a very enjoyable conference because it's a small group. It's just college athletic band directors. I mean, how many of us are there in the country? So it's always a, a great conference to attend. And then there's the big ones, which is like everyone. So the National Association for Music Education Conference, the National Conference, uh, that's a big one. And that's the one that's coming up in a week and a half that I'm presenting at. I'm looking forward to it. Um, that'll be all of the music education professors you could think of in the country, basically. It's a big one. It's the name conference. I love what a beautiful acronym. <laughs> they pronounce um, the F though, so they say NAFME. National Association what, for wait, Music I, I'm sorry, your your letters are N A M E and you're gonna throw an F in there. That these are not English people, clearly. These are musicians. English people would be all over name. Um, what are your future goals for the marching band? When I think of the marching band, uh, the big goal is always continued growth, always continue to expand, have a bigger group on the field. I know a lot of people see the marching band and they're very appreciative of the numbers that have increased in the last year. We've gone from uh, just shy of 60 students to about 120 now. So we've doubled in size in the last five years. Um, but I know that there's an interest in having a bigger sound on the field, a bigger visual impact on the field. Uh, and that is something that we are on the way to achieving. So as far as growth and membership, I anticipate it's going to keep going up as um, the years progress here. We've made a lot of changes to administratively how the band runs. Um, we continue to support our students as best we can to try to keep their cost as low as we can uh, for participating. Um, and I do see continued growth. As far as ambition for the group and what they do as far as uh, performances, uh, the more students you have, the bigger the performances get. Um, so you just have better field shows that are, are, are bigger with more students making a great sound that have a great impact. That's so fantastic. And I am so grateful you've been able to join me this afternoon. And thank you for being here on In Conversation. Thank you for having me.